This is the Jocko Underground podcast with Echo Charles sitting across the table from me. And I am Jocko Willink. Control-Alt-Delete. Do you remember Control-Alt-Delete? Is that still a thing? It is still a thing. So I use an Apple computer system. So what is yours? Command? Well, what's interesting is, here's what's interesting. Straight up, honestly, when you have an Apple computer, you don't even really remember what the reset button is because it doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. And I know there's some software engineer reason for this. <laughs> kernels? Is that, is that something to do with kernels? I don't know what kernels is. I don't know either. But the way the Apple system is designed, mm-hmm. it, doesn't get ja- get, it doesn't get jammed up jammed. as much as the Windows operating system. Okay. That's just this, those are just facts, bro. Sure. When I went, I went on deployment one time. Before I went on deployment, I used that. I used Windows my whole life, like most people, right? Mm-hmm. I guess most people. At the time, most people were using Windows, and in the military, it's one hundred percent Windows. There were no apples. And I was going on deployment, and somebody, one of my friends, just kept telling me Apple, 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 like hype, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So finally, <clears throat> I got my wife an Apple computer before I went on deployment. And when I came home, and so I got it set up for, and it's a little different. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different. You know, you're kind of a little bit unsure. There's some techniques that are different. Mm-hmm. Have you ever even used an Apple? Yes, sir. Okay. So I didn't know these techniques, but got the thing set up for my wife. Mm-hmm. I come home from deployment, what, six, seven months later, I come home. And the computer was on, whatever, and I'm like working with it. And for some reason, it came up. I said, well, how, you know, how many times have you had to restart this? She said, zero. Zero times. The computer was up and running for six straight months. Now, look, wasn't like it's under massive stress of high level computations, mm-hmm. but sure enough, the thing kept up and running. And when I, because a Windows computer at that time, this mm-hmm. is like 2003, mm-hmm. 2004, if you got a Windows computer, you were resetting that thing maybe once every other day. You had to, you had to do what I'm talking about, which is a little bit of the old control alt delete. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that thing is on a Apple computer. On the Apple computer, I, I usually just turn it off and just hold the power button down. If something goes wrong, which go, doesn't go wrong for months, for months, stays up and running. Does your Windows computer stay up and running? Uh, no, you're, I'm, well, what I'm thinking about your whole scenario, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that makes you have to go control alt delete even on a windows no but this is back in the day back too. in the day and then it must have been like kind of a clunky computer probably yeah i mean okay a video editing okay yeah you put in some high re- yeah. high resolution freaking files yeah and then you start trying to do effects and all at the same time oh yeah control alt delete for sure but not jocko in 2004 that's, <laughs> not, that's not happening like with you one email and a word document <laughs> I know, why am i that thing locking up yeah unless you're opening some spam or something like this where you know how they send you the spam and you gotta execute i don't know file. but but you know when i was going to college I, the only thing I, like just to put it in perspective Truly, the only thing I would be doing on these things was literally, I don't think I've ever edited a video. Maybe I've edited now, I've edited a couple on my phone. Yeah, on my telephone, still. I'd edit a video now. Yeah. Because <laughs> I got skills. <laughs> a little bit different, but yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, Control-Alt-Delete or Power Down, what, what are these things for? These are, these are like physical actions that you can take when the software on your computer or on your phone or on your printer is confused or locked up or bogged down with too much information or not enough information or it's just going into brain freeze, right? That's what happens. Is that why it happens? Because I don't really know. I'd say that's a good analogy for sure. So what you do is you override the software with the hardware, with the hard shutdown. You override it. You say, hey, listen, all these little weird ones and zeros that you've got going on, we're just, we're just cutting the power. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Yeah. You override it. Well, the same thing actually happens to us as humans. See what I'm saying? I can see you're nodding your head. You're totally. nodding your head. You're like, yes, Jocko's on this. We, in our own heads, in our own heads, we get bogged down we get distractions, we get rationalizations going on, we get debates going on in your own head. And what I'm telling you now 
is that the solution to these brain cycles where they get caught in a continuous cycle of distraction or caught in a continuous cycle of rationalization or whatever, the solution is the same. It's a hard action that you have to do. To, to, it's a manual override. We have the capability of manually overriding our software. And the way you do that is by taking action. So it's, again, here's the problem. Like if, imagine if the, if the computer had a, a, a robot arm, a robot hand, let's sure. say, yeah. and it was aimed, there's a finger on the robot hand and it was aimed at the button. Sure. Wait, which button? <laughs> the the on-off. The okay, on-off on or okay. the reset button. Okay. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's aimed at that. Mm-hmm. And if you're in normal operating, you could say, oh, shut the computer down, and that robot hand would press the button. Mm. Right? Okay, cool. But when it's in brain freeze, it can't even do that. Right? right? It just It's just locked up. Mm. That happens to us in our brains, right? We, mm. we're, we know we're supposed to work out. And we just go into lock mode. Yeah. We know we're we're supposed to go talk to our subordinate about the fact that they're late for the th- third time, and you know you should do it, but instead you just go into brain lock. Yeah. Maybe your wife's doing something that's could be detrimental to the relation, right? <laughs> sure. And you know you should say something. Yeah. Even you know you should take an indirect approach, but you know you need to contend with this scenario that's happening. But what do you do? Nothing, brain lock. So you freeze. So what I'm saying is you can actually do a manual override of these situations. And you you need to make yourself take action. So you're saying take action in that direction that you're intentionally or or intending to do? Yes, take action in that direction that you know you should. And, but the hard part about it is your brain is the one that's controlling that robot finger. That's the hard part. Yeah. You have to you have to that's why you have to be able to detach from it. Yeah. You have to be able to take a step outside of your software system and just slam your fist onto that finger and make that thing hit yeah. reset. Yeah. Which means when the alarm clock goes off in the morning, get up. Don't wait, don't hesitate when the alarm clock goes off in the morning, get up. Mm. When you get into the gym, like set, you know what I, here's a, here's a, here's an example. When we're gonna roll the jujitsu. When we come in, get, when everyone gets on the mat, I immediately start the clock for five minutes to start stretching, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You have five minutes to stretch. Mm-hmm. If you don't put a clock on that, how long are we stretching for? <laughs> Forever. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a long time, because you know people are stretching, they're kind of talking, oh, yeah. they got things Catching to tell up. you, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, real, real important stuff. Yep. That's real, that's real. So when you go in there, start the clock. You should put a you should put a timer on everything that you do. Basically, I agree. Basically, that's what should be happening. Everything that you do, you should say, "All right, I have to commence." You should be a, a countdown to go, and then a certain amount of time to get her done. That's the way you need to operate. That takes you out of this software brain lock that you can get inside your own head. Yeah. So that's my recommendation. Yeah, uh, I, you um, that that's such a good idea. The clock thing. So even workouts, because I'm the same way. Well. I know you already know that about me because I'm the one number one culprit with the talking thing. Well, you you ever seen when I, I I'll put like a, a post on the gram? Yes, yes, I and do. I'll say something like uh, hesitated, stretched, yeah. procrastinated. You know, I'll be especially on let's face it, on on leg day. You know, <laughs> when, we're, when we're squatting. Yeah. You can spend an inordinate amount of time stretching. Yeah. You can spend an or, inordinate amount of time checking your form, you know, with the PVC pipe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just doing all kinds of dumb stuff. Because mm-hmm. you know cause you know what you should be doing. Yep. So you need to get over that. Yeah. Yeah. You true. have five minutes to stretch, son. Yeah. And that's like, well, I mean, obviously it depends on your body, but five minutes is a long time. That's solid right there. Again, depends. So that don't. But, um, <clears throat> Yeah, if you don't, and it depends on what kind of person you are. But, yeah, if you got other stuff on your mind, especially if you have other stuff on your mind, don't let it be like three, four things on your mind. And then now you got to go focus on some thing. Meanwhile, these things pull. And then, yeah, you get that weird brain lock thing. Um, 
I was, and tell me, tell me what you think about this. So, I thought when I first, when you first started going into it, control all delete, I was like, oh yeah, that's like a vacation. You take a vacation. (laughs) 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 That's that's what it is. In a Uh, way, in a, in a, your mind's mind's always in the tropics. (laughs) I was going to say the gutter, but it's actually in the tropics. It's actually down on the beach. 100%. It's actually over by the pool. So you got, uh, (laughs) Chronic, what's the two? Chronic and acute, we'll say. Mm-hmm. So it feels like you're talking about like acute brain lock, we'll call mm-hmm. it for lack of a better. But if you got chronic brain lock, yeah. where it's like you can't think of this direction where you need to go or this like and that. This and this life thing. Yeah, scenario. your whole life is Strategic sort of bogging scenario. down. Yeah. And you feel like, because, you know, you can get, and it's like a version of tunnel vision or whatever, where you're like going in this direction and you're like, man, it's not, it's not like I can't figure this thing out whatever direction you're going in and you've been working at it for how long and it's still not just it's not producing and then you a lot of times your solution is to detach because from a different perspective you're like oh shoot i missed all this other stuff and then boom but vacation in a big way depends on where you go depends on what you're doing it depends on who you with but vacation in a big way can provide that <laughs> Then why aren't you coming up with Nobel Prize winning <laughs> ideas on a regular basis, homie? You should have cured cancer by now, bro. Anyway, it's true, though. Think about it. Even if you physically go, like, super high, like, on a mountain or something like that, like, it'll kind of provide that for your brain. It's true. That is true. Uh, <laughs> what you said about me detaching to find a solution to the problem. Yeah. I was talking about this on the academy the other day. And what I said was the solution to the problem is not inside the problem. Mm. And when you're in the inside the problem, you're not going to see the solution. It's not in there. If you if it was in there, you'd see it. Yeah. If the solution was there, you already see it. It's not a problem. You don't have to worry about it because you already figured it out. Yeah. Right. The solution is not inside the problem. The solution is outside the problem. Yeah. And this this occurs with every type of problem. If there is a solution in the, inside the problem, cool, you found it because you're in there and you mm-hmm. see it like, oh wait, we 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 need to go right. And I think I used the, the description of a maze, right? Yeah. Like, oh, a maze. When you're in the maze, you can't f- look. You can find your way out by banging into this wall, running down the other hallway, running down another hallway, running down the hall. You know, dead end, dead end, and eventually. But if you can detach from it and get above it, all of a sudden, there's the solution. Oh yeah, yeah. we see the path. Yeah, and that also the a thing. Then you just reminded me of it with that with the maze thing. And this place, a lot of things where, you know how we have a routine and it's really helpful, mm-hmm. you know? But sometimes that routine can just blind everything else, like outside of that routine. So a lot of times if I'm stuck on something, whatever, I'll do something different or go, even go somewhere different where it like, it can make your mind kind of think outside of your normal way of thinking. That's so rigid by this time, especially if you have a rigid routine your mind will start thinking outside of it and sometimes solutions can, can come from there too. Just Wait, that physical When, when you break the routine, you yeah. can find a solution? Yeah. True. Like It's like your brain like goes outside of its normal like routine way of mm-hmm. thinking. Yeah, you know what, I just got a good idea. It, okay, so let's say I have a flight in the morning mm-hmm. and I'm getting up and I have to be done working out by six o'clock in the morning. When my alarm clock goes on, I'm like, I like know I have to get done by this oh, time. Yeah. Everything's just so much faster, yeah. right? Every I brush my teeth faster. Yep. You know, like I get dressed fast. Everything is better. Yeah. Everything is more efficient. Mm-hmm. When I don't have a flight, like if it's a straight up Sunday, yeah. and I know my, the, you know, I wake up at four thirty, I start working out at five, mm-hmm. and I know my next uh, hard time is jujitsu at ten. I got. Was five hours to play with <laughs> forever. Bro. Like, I am not very efficient. Honestly, my yeah. Sunday workouts are my, my Sunday workouts lack efficiency. Now, yeah. what's good about those Sunday workouts? They kind of usually they're long, right? Because I and they're probably going a little bit harder in the sets. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I take a little bit more rest straight up. Right, right. But as far as efficiency goes and intensity, it's not there on a Sunday. A lot of time you leak. Know? But yeah, a little Between time leak sets. activities going on. Yeah, be careful that one. Even like when you drive, right? Where you know how when you drive, you're just kind of on a cruise a little bit. Like, hey, I'm not in a hurry, so I'm just gonna drive. I'm not saying drive dangerous. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying when you're in a little bit of a hurry versus if you're not in a hurry, mm-hmm. like that can't you, you can see a difference. Yeah. What's interesting is when I'm driving, 
I'm pretty efficient. Yeah. When my wife is driving, sometimes a lot of lights might get waited at. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Cars <laughs> might not get passed. Pleasure cruise know? over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's driving in a very cruised. Mm-hmm. What the weird thing is, I never, I never am in Russian traffic. Yeah. I'm never like, oh my gosh, why is this traffic? Because I always give myself time. Yeah, that's good. But I still am going to pass this dude that's like kind of slow. Right. Or the, the light's yellow. I'm gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you care on the, uh, yeah, that makes All right. sense. So sometimes don't hesitate. Instead, manual override and go get after it. With that, let's do some Q and A. What do we got? Hey lads, I'm twenty. <clears throat> I'm twenty nine year old North Island operation manager for a coffee roastery team of ten with a partner and one year old boy. My focus is in leadership, and the type of style that I lean towards temperamentally is yours. I've augmented and worked on. It with books, experience, and the like. I've always had my eye for the Army for two reasons. I feel an obligation to contribute to public service. I want to further my leadership skills. Joining full-time as a career isn't an option for me, but joining the New Zealand Army Reserves is a possibility. My question is, would you advise joining the Reserves to satisfy these reasons, or would I be better off looking to another place to further my leadership skills and serve the public? All right, that's awesome. Um, very cool. Sounds like you got some cool stuff going on. You got the kid. You got the coffee roastery that you're an ops manager at. That sounds like pretty good stuff. And you want to become a better leader. When you say that you lean temper temperamentally toward my, I'm assuming this is my leadership style because it says it might, the the type of leadership style I lead towards temperamentally is yours. I'm, I'm assuming that means me, right? Is that what he's talking about? Yeah. Okay. Your leadership style. Okay. Which is really nice. I like to hear that. I The only thing that makes me a little bit worried about that sometimes is people, depending on, and you look, if you're in the, if you're in the underground, if you're listening to this right now, you're pretty much in the game, right? Yes, sir. So we're assuming that that means you're, you are thinking about the indirect method. You don't like tyrannical leaders. You don't want to impose things on people. Like all those things. Because sometimes the first look at Jocko's leadership style is mm. tyrannical leader, like, hey, just bark and tell everyone what to do. Yeah. I just want to make sure we're not there. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that you don't have some weird fantasy that you like Jocko's leadership style because he would just get in your face and tell you what's what. Yeah, and the no slack thing. And no slack. Like things that I literally say, discipline. Yeah. All, these are all things I say. They're mm-hmm. all things that I say and they're all things that I believe. <clears throat> and guess what? They're not good leadership. They're good when you direct them at yourself. No slack is directed at yourself. Mm. That's where that's directed at. Discipline equals freedom, that's directed at me. I'm not imposing discipline on my troops. Now look, are we disciplined? Do we inspire self-discipline? Yes. So, what I'm saying is, let's just make sure we're not a tyrannical leader. Let's make sure that we wanna have an open mind. Let's make sure that we're humble, all those things. And if you're doing all those things, that's awesome. That's great to hear. Now, straight up, should you join the should you join the reserves? the New Zealand Army Reserves, I'm gonna give this a strong 90% yes. Maybe even a 95% yes. Joining the Reserves is awesome. You get to get some military experience. You get to serve your country. You get to get put in leadership positions where you're gonna learn a lot. You're gonna meet cool people. And you're gonna satisfy that weird gene that we all have, which is sort of being some kind of like, you know, commando type dude, right? I mean, right? Right? Sure. I mean, right? Uh, Yeah. Hey, wait a second. Is there a reason why you like the movie Predator? Yeah, you're right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a thing. It's a thing, right? Yeah, it's funny. No, because I only, uh, I mean, not to interrupt too quick, but. Did you and Jade Charles play Army when you were kids? Yeah. Right? So it was. And you and were not learning this from your mom. No, 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 <laughs> negative. So the, no, um, my mom and dad were anti-gun growing up. My dad what allowed they think, what it. What do you think of that, that Desert Eagle 50 cal you got now? <laughs> <laughs> my dad was surprised. He let, he let us like buy BB guns. Mm-hmm. They were kind of. My mom was against it. My dad was like, "Yeah, whatever." Like, mm. whatever. he he allowed it. But BC. anyway, yeah, BC all day. <laughs> so, no, uh, 
So I never was like, I never had that, oh, I wanted to join the military. I always thought it was like, uh-oh, like the government's going to like, that probably came from a bad suit. I don't know. It was like the government telling you when to wake up, when to be, and then, you know, when the conflict comes, then now you got to go. It was like, it seemed like an oppression more, kind of like, the impression I got was more of oppression. Yeah. Put it that way. Well, and that that actually, everything you just said yeah. is true. true. <laughs> like, wait, we're doing the military, they're going to tell you when to wake up, they're yep. going to tell you what to do, and then when there's a war, they're going to tell you go fight it. Yes. That's what the military is. Yeah. That's so, this five percent, three percent, or whatever for this homie. Yeah, you got to be ready for that. Yeah, like it's not just hey, I'm cool. I'm gonna be a weekend warrior. But you know what's gonna happen in New Zealand? They could get sent to war somewhere. Yeah, and keep in mind this was like probably the little culture, the little microculture I grew up in, where that was sort that was kind of the feeling. I'm cool. I come on. Let's face it. We're kind of cruising, and when you got to wake up a certain time and go somewhere and do this and drill and all this stuff, it's kind of you know a little bit against the green, nonetheless. When we were little, I remember packing a little bit, like going out at nighttime, packing a little bag. Yeah, straight up operations. Slingshot rocks, like the reserve rocks in the other pocket. Full on. Oh, yeah. So I think you're right. I think most, most, when I say most, I mean pretty much all (laughs) boys, especially, obviously, the... They got something in there, yeah. some kind of war. Some, some little thing. bit of war in the commando head, right? scenario. Yep. So you've got that going on, and that that probably wants to be gratified a little bit, and and it's all healthy. So I would check and see that what's the three percent, what's the five percent. Listen, you got a one year old kid, you get called up for duty, you might be missing the ball game, you might be missing the rugby game i guess if we're down in new zealand you might be missing the sure. jiu-jitsu tournament hopefully down in new zealand sure. you might be missing uh what else are we doing down in new zealand surfing i guess good swell comes in you want to go down to raglan and sure. get it sure. <laughs> so um oh he's on the north island though um anyways i think this is a good call i think joining the reserves is probably gonna be pretty cool like I said, that probably requ- there's probably a requirement there of eight weeks or 12 weeks right out of the gate. So you gotta figure out all that stuff. Who's gonna be managing the coffee joint? Who's gonna be taking care of the kid when you're gone for three months to do your basic training scenarios? So there's some legit t- stuff to s- figure out. The military, even when it seems like, oh, it's quote, just the reserves, you don't, you, there's no such thing. I served in Iraq with all kinds of just reserves, and they were just on deployment for just 14 months. <laughs> so there's no such thing as just the reserves. You sign that line, you're committing, and everything else is going to become secondary, which is very hard. So it sounds crazy, right, that I would tell you when you sign that line, your one-year-old boy becomes secondary. How can that be? Well. When you're one, when they call you up and you need to go on deployment, you are no longer with your one-year-old boy. You're not raising him right now. Now, are you setting an example? Yes, you are. Does he see that part of being a adult is commitment and service and sacrifice? Yes. Is that a great example? Yes, it is. So I'm definitely leaning towards it. Don't be mad at me when you're in boot camp and there's a drill instructor yelling at you and you haven't slept in three days and the food is terrible and you're having to wake up at three o'clock in the morning. Don't be mad at me then. But you can thank me when you're done with boot camp. You got a cool uniform. You got some good skills, and you're learning to become a better leader. Go get some. Next question. I've been listening to your novel, Final Spin, on audiobook, and really enjoying it. When I saw you were on an episode of Joe Rogan, I thought, "Awesome! Can't wait to hear more about Jocko's writing process and why you wrote the book." I was even prominent. I was even prominently in the episode description. Oh, it was. So while I still thoroughly enjoyed the podcast, I was disappointed that the discussion on Final Spin was so limited. I know you've brought up the book on Jocko Podcast before, but again, I've been eager to hear more of an in-depth discussion about your process and experience writing fiction. So this actually wasn't the first fiction I've written because all my kids' books, all my kids' books are fiction. Mm -hmm. So I followed the same sort of... Uh, protocol for that the same process and by the way thank you for reading the book thank you for getting the book I'm super stoked on the book final spin I like to talk to people about it I like when they tell me I like when grown adults tell me that they cried (laughs) Uh, it's a little bit of an emotional roller coaster so how do I go about writing these books my experience is the first thing I have is I have the idea 
And I was talking about this yesterday. I was getting interviewed by somebody yesterday. Ideas, you don't, some ideas, I'm gonna say two out of 10. Two out of 10 ideas come, you know, from just straight inspiration from like, from nowhere, right? You're sitting there, you're working out, all of a sudden you go, oh man, I have a great idea. Yeah. You wake up in the middle of the night, boom, poof, there it is, appears out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I would say two out of 10 ideas come from that. Maybe even one out of 10. Where do the other nine ideas come from? Actually squeezing your brain and saying, I need to think of something to write about. I need to, th- I need to, th- usually for me, there's some kernel of a, of a problem that I think I need to address this problem. Let's say it's kids. Oh, kids don't understand how to learn. That's the problem. Mm. What would be a story that I could wrap around that? Mm. And so, so the idea thinks, man, you know, the idea might come from, the original idea might be like, man, if only kids had a, a way to learn that that learning was cool. Mm. How could that where could that come from? Well, I don't know. That's the original thought. Then I have to squeeze that gift of an idea mm. and say, oh, what if I wrote a book? And the, one of the characters in the book was a kid, and the kid didn't really know how to study, but then he has an uh, boom, there you go. And mm. so you squeeze it, and that's where the idea comes from. Mm. So you might have a little, a little tiny seed. A little tiny seed, and that seed might come from come, come from nowhere. Mm. Here's the thing, though: a lot of people take those seeds and they don't do anything with them. Yeah. They just sit there, and 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 you the seed's not going to grow unless you fix the soil, dig a hole, put it in there, put water on it, put sunlight on it. Like that's what has to happen. Yeah. So some idea that you have, you get this little idea. You need to you need to put some work into that idea. Yeah. Yeah, there's like these weird experimental processes that kind of come with it, right? Where you're like, kind of like creative. It's kind of like a version of creative block, chronic creative block, where you have this one seed and then the rest of it is non-existent. Maybe you're just dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or that. Yes, yes. Well, here's the thing. I I had to make a joke there, but Mm -hmm. what you're saying is correct, and and. You're actually not dumb. What you're not doing is not putting in the work. But go ahead. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Especially like a lot. A lot of times, and obviously, people have varying levels of creativity, or or they pursue something that they have like so much knowledge in, or something they've thought about so much, or whatever, and it'll come a little bit easier. But yeah, if you're in that in that mode where you're like block, you have something, but not much anything. Big part of it is just experimentation. Where mm-hmm. and that's kind of how your mind works anyway, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I should do this. Nope, that don't know this. Nope, nope. Yes. Okay, I got a little bit, it's like, you know, like little Lego pieces slowly formulating into a little spaceship, whatever you're building. Um, but a lot of times when things aren't clicking, I, you know what I think? I think it's just like a version of like giving up in a way. Like when you get discouraged and then you just put it off for another time, you know, then you, then you label it creative block. Hmm. I could just very well be just talking about myself. No, but going back to the earlier subject we talked about today, sometimes walking away from a problem Mm -hmm. you will get like a solution will come to you you go oh man i got it i got it i got the solution you know what's fun is when i'm talking to people like let's say i'm getting interviewed or i'm asking answering questions or i'm working with a company it's very interesting the way the mind starts to formulate new ideas Mm -hmm. right like i can feel like i see it did you ever see the movie The 13th Warrior? Mm-mm. Well, it's Antonio Banderas. You know who that is? Of course. <laughs> of course. Legend Desperado. So All he's day. in that movie. Mm. And he plays, he's supposed to be an Arab guy, even though he's not mm. an Arab guy, but he, he goes and meets with the Vikings. Sure. He like meets up with the Vikings back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't speak their language, and they have this great scene around the fire. Mm-hmm. Where he's sitting and listening to them talking and they're talking in whatever Norwegian or Old Norse or whatever language the Vikings are talking in and he can't understand anything that they're saying but then and the way they edit this is so cool as they're talking they're telling stories around the campfire and it's over a period of time it's not one night but like they keep showing different campfires and as they're you about your mother you know spear mother spear so he starts picking up like individual words in English, mm. and that's how he show. That's how he becomes aware of the language. Uh. 
it's it's a very cool process. But sometimes when I'm, let's say I'm answering someone's question, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm sort of like the it's like the answer. I can see little granules of an answer, and I start to focus on those a little bit, and then I start to see a little bit more of a picture, and then all of a sudden, boom, there it is, yeah. and I have the answer for yeah. this person. Yeah, yeah. And that 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 I think can happen, like what you're talking about, this little idea, and you don't if you don't pay attention to that idea, it'll just it'll sit there just out of focus. Mm. You kind of have to like focus on it, and then maybe look at it from a different spot, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, I know what that is. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then all of a sudden the scene develops around it, and it becomes yeah. becomes real. So. For me, that idea will come, and this is what I think is important to know as a person. Like it seems like you and I both have the similar thing. I guess you get it for videos, right? Where you get like a a little granular, a little one little seed about a video. It, 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 It by no means is a video by itself. No, no more than an acorn is an oak tree, right? It's not. Could be. So you see that little acorn and you think, oh yeah, you, you know what potential it has, but you know you gotta plant it, you gotta water it, you gotta grow that thing. Mm. You have that for videos, I have that for like stories. I also have it for really, uh, from a leadership perspective, explaining leadership and explaining different aspects of leadership. I'll see a little acorn or something. I, I'll do something, or I'll have a conversation with someone, I'll think, oh, I should be able to explain this better. Mm. Or I know why they're thinking that, it's because their perspective is this and I can grow that into an oak tree. So know that for writing or for making videos or for writing a song or for anything, it starts with something that's not recognizable unless you recognize it. (laughs) It's not recognizable as its completed form. It doesn't look like it's completed form. So, So if you're walking around, if you say, oh man, I'm gonna go find it, I'm gonna go make a tree. Or I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go cut down a tree and harvest that wood. If you say that and you walk around the the woods, there's no trees. There's only acorns. You're not gonna see the acorns as trees. You're just seeing nothing. But if you have insight, you go, oh, that right there. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna plant it. I'm gonna grow it. So don't expect to see full grown trees that you can harvest. They're not. They're not there yet. Mm. So that's part one. Once I have that, and this is once I have this little idea, then I start. I'll start put, building an outline around it. And this is where I do what you're talking about, which is, hey, what the, what idea works? Oh, what, what direction? If I go over here, oh, that doesn't really make sense. But here, and I and I get that basic story arc. I get a basic story arc done, and it's a broad story arc, and the details of the story arc are pliable. So, do you know the end early on? So, it's pliable. But yes, mm-hmm. I'm not 100% how, sure how we're going to get there. And I'm not even sure. It'd be like if I said, hey, we're going to get on this plane and we're going to the southeast. Right? We, sure. Like, I know we're going to the southeast. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a long ways away. Mm-hmm. We could be in Florida. We could be in Alabama. We could be in South Carolina, right? We could end up in any of the states and we'd still be in the Southeast. Mm. But I'm not quite sure which one I'm gonna end up in. So I have a broad idea. And it might even be a little bit more specific than that. Like, hey, we're gonna end up in Southern California. Mm. Could be LA, could be San Diego, could be San Clemente, could be Trestles, could be IB. Like, it could be any of these places. (laughs) Sorry, surf spots. (laughs) Uh, the way has been good. Sure. Um, so I have a general idea, but it's not specific. So that means I get to kind of move, maneuver, gives me a little bit more freedom to maneuver, but I know where we're going. I know what general area I'm gonna end up in. And then I, I might refine that into, I, then I refine that into kind of an outline. And then I basically write one sentence, maybe two sentences for each scene, mm. right? Each scene that we're gonna be in, each chapter, I'm gonna write like, hey, in this for final spin, um, in this scene, we see Jessica for the first time. She's obviously a waitress and they hit it off really well. There's a relationship, cool. I, that, that's all I need to know. And then I can figure out what, how that, what that actually looks like on paper. Hey, we're gonna, this scene, first scene inside Maxi Mart, we're gonna meet the weasel, who's the manager. We're gonna see that he's a dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that'll be, that's what was, and then I know exactly what I'm doing. And I have the whole story laid out like that. 
And then we, we know what it is, because I've said this a bunch of times. Then, it's, then for me, once I have that outline done, it's a thousand words a day. It takes me about an hour. A thousand words a day. Mm. Yeah, that's, a, in, that's interesting, because even just listening to that, it's like, man, that's like, essentially, that's like goal setting, kind of the same thing. Like, if you have a goal, whatever kind of goal, fitness goal, I don't know, career goal or whatever, if you kind of lay it out the same way, it's kind of the same process, really. And in fact, it might even make it a lot more, or it probably will make it a lot more efficient. Because you know the end, yes, yes. more or less. Okay, and you're like, I okay, you're saying, yeah. Yeah. to get to the end, it's kind of, I mean, it's essentially the same yeah. thing. And and you're right. So you kind of know where you're going, and then you're going to, then you should actually figure out, okay, what are the broad steps I need to take to get there? Yeah. And then once you start taking those steps, they're going to become more refined. And then when you're actually t- taking those steps, you know, it's interesting that, when uh, when we would be planning for a SEAL mission, mm. very similar process. Because someone might say, hey, we should use helicopters from the north. Mm. And someone else says, well, we should use Humvees from the south, right? Okay, so two different opposing viewpoints. Well, hey, you know what? It's be much more efficient if we just take helicopters. Okay, well, let's try and take it. So you actually start going down the planning road. Mm. But pretty early on, someone says, hey, what's the availability of helicopters? Mm-mm. Oh, guess what? We don't have any helicopters available. Okay, well, then we're taking Humvees. Mm. So you don't just throw the idea away. But, and that could happen with, you know, right down to the more granular details of an operation where you're saying, um, you know, we should put ladders on this west wall of the compound. And you get imagery, better imagery, and you say, hey, it looks like the west wall of the compound's actually 38 feet tall. We don't even have ladders that tall. Oh, we gotta find a different one. So it doesn't totally change your plan, but you're gonna have to make some adjustments. Right. And you don't abandon it, but you don't overcommit to it, right? You gotta be saying, oh, as the, as the reality becomes more granular, you have to be flexible and make adjustments. Oh, yeah. And that's the way life is. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's the way your goals should be. So there you go, a thousand words a day. That's probably the part that people have the most trouble with, honestly. I guess people could have trouble with various parts of this process. Yeah. But a thousand words a day, it only takes an hour, man. So then again, so does working out. Yeah. Right? Only takes an hour to work out. Yeah. They, but, yeah, it depends, right? What kind of person you are. Because like some people, they're like, thousand words a day, just tell me where to be, where to show up, bro. Mm-hmm. I'll just get at it. No problem. Every single day. No problem. But the mental, like, directional kind of thinking part, that's the, the issue. And then some people, vice versa. A couple key components of a thousand words a day. When you write a thousand words a day, first of all, it only takes an hour. Maybe, actually, I can get it done in 45 minutes. Sure. Like, yeah. I can get it done. If I'm, if I'm rocking, I can get it done in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. By the way, I don't really, I'm not care, caring about grammar, spelling. None of that stuff matters. You're just getting the, creating the raw material and you'll refine it later. Mm-hmm. But if you take two days, in, if you take a day in between, you don't remember what you wrote the, day, the previous day, and huh. now you got to reread it to find out where you were. But if you write, if I wrote yesterday, I already I know what I wrote about yesterday. I don't know what I wrote about two days ago. Yeah. Your memory just doesn't work that way. And I've never had someone tell me, no, I can go three days and still know what I wrote. I've never met. No one's ever told me that. Huh. Interesting. So, a thousand words a day. Go get some. Cool. Makes sense. Next question. I have a question about walking into a new position of leadership, specifically as a captain for the fire department. I've I've recently been promoted to that rank and want to walk in that position with not only humility, but as someone who people want to follow. I've been lucky enough to have great examples of positive leadership and poor leadership and feel like I have discerning. I have a discerning heart towards those things, but. I still find myself wondering how to motivate the unmotivated and instill the, that change without coming off as a harsh in a harsh manner. I would love to hear your recommendations on how to talk to talk how to walk into a new leadership role and what you did or found helpful. So, I, I hope you have leadership strategy and tactics field manual written by me. This is a, this is a sure. question I got asked thousands of times. Um, on page one fifty seven and one fifty eight, I have a section that's called "Becoming a Leader," and this is exactly who I wrote it for. But what's interesting is, even though I direct I directed it towards someone that's been selected as a leader 
almost as if they're a new leader in general, mm-hmm. meaning you've never been in a leadership position. You're, okay, what do you do? It's so, it, I sort of wrote it, uh, let me rephrase that. I initially wrote it like that. As it became more granular, I expanded that out too. Basically, if you're a leader and you're taking over somewhere, regardless if you've been a leader for a long time or you've never been a leader before or you've been a leader some of the time, it doesn't matter. I got these things in this book. Um, here are some fundamental rules to keep in mind as you take command. Number one, be humble. It's an honor to be in a leadership position. Your team is counting on you to make the right decisions. Number two, don't act like you know everything. You don't. The team knows that. Ask smart questions. Listen. Number three, listen. This is, and by the way, if you're not humble, you don't listen. Just FYI. Mm-hmm. If you're not humble, you don't listen. If you're if you're not humble, you talk. If you're not humble, you come across, quote, as harsh, right? That's what happens. So listen. Treat people with respect. Regardless of rank, everyone is a human being, plays an important role with the team. Treat them that way. Take care of your people and they'll take care of you. Hmm. Number five, take ownership for failures and mistake, obviously. Pass credit for success up and down the chain of command. Yes. Work hard as a leader should be working harder than anyone else in the team. And I was talking to a client yesterday by the way, when you set standards for the team, you as an individual, you, you might think, well, I have to comply with the standards that I set, right? Is that what you think? Yes. Right? It's actually wrong. Hmm. It's actually wrong. If I set standards for the teams, for the team of, of whatever, I need to be above and beyond the standard. Mm. I can't say, hey, be in the office by eight o'clock and show up at 7.59. It doesn't work. (laughs) I can't say look professional and then kind of throw my freaking uh, uniform together at the last minute. I still look professional, but you know, kind of like barely there. So you you can't wear five pieces of flair. You gotta wear 37. You gotta wear 37. Yeah. If the standard is, what's the standard? Five? I thought it was five, but. I thought it was seven. Okay, it could be seven. Yeah, if you're this leader and you put the standard at seven pieces of flair, yep. that those are those are amateur numbers, <laughs> right? You gotta step it up. Yeah, you I gotta show that you're fully in the game. Yep. So work hard. You can't just be like, hey, everyone needs to work hard. You, you should be staying until 5 o'clock every day. And then four, five, oh, one, you're bailing. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't work, man. doesn't work. It's words only. Mm-hmm. Number eight, have integrity. Do what you say. Say what you do. <sighs> that wouldn't seem like a big deal, right? Do what you say. Say what you do. But let me tell you, do what you say and say what you do. Mm-hmm. Don't lie up or down the chain of command. Tell the truth. Number nine, be balanced. Extreme actions or opinions are usually not good. Number 10, be decisive. When it's time to make a decision, make one. I should have put a note in this book that said, go read the chapter on iterative decision making. Mm -hmm. Make little tiny decisions very quickly. Number 11, build relationships. That's what you gotta be doing here in this scenario. That's your main goal as a leader. A team is a group of people who have relationships and trust one another. Otherwise, just a disconnected, incoherent cluster of people. Lastly, get the job done. That's the purpose of a leader, to lead the team in accomplishing a mission. If you don't accomplish the mission, you fail as a leader. Performance counts. So those that is a whole section that you can read in this book. I just read the highlights of it. Also in the book, I talk about a guy that took over for one of my platoons. We had a platoon commander get fired. He took over. We call him Delta Charlie in the book. Amazing guy. And he, he was quiet. He was humble. How did he motivate people? How did he motivate us? Gave us ownership. So counterintuitive, because when you, when you make leader, you make captain, you think, now's my chance to run shit. Oh, yeah. Right? I'm going to run shit. I've been waiting to run shit. Mm. Don't fall victim to that temptation. The ultimate Authority is when you give the authority to other people. That's the ultimate way to lead. So you want to motivate some people that don't seem motivated? Put them in charge of some stuff. Give ownership. That's what I'm talking about. And congrats, by the way, on your selection. That's an awesome sign. And also, thank you. Thank you for your service to the fire department. So a big part of this, it seems like anyway, is how you're thinking of it from the other people's perspective. So... Like the 
Um, you know, because it's natural when you're only thinking about your your own perspective. Mm. You're like, oh, I'm running this because you oh, you feel this, yeah. you feel the power, and you feel whatever. But the other person's perspective is like so obvious, right? So I told you, I don't, I think I told you this. Where, okay, I was always a worker. I was never really the boss, right? Mm. So let's say I, I worked at this nightclub, mm. and upstairs of this nightclub was like a high, quote unquote, high end lounge, Ooh. and there was no, there was a dress code that was more strict up there. You couldn't wear jeans up there. Dang, dude. But at this time, jeans were starting to become more more of a thing, um, as far as just contemporary style, whatever. Or, origin jeans? <laughs> Delta sixty eight. <laughs> not yet. This is back in the day. Uh, so one night, I'm there, not working. I'm cruising. I hang, I'm hanging out, and you know, I work there, so I can go upstairs. And plus, the two friends that I'm with, they don't have jeans on, so they want to go upstairs. And I'm like, hey, I work here. They'll let me slide, right? So I had this manager, mm-hmm. boss. And Wait, he was, and you were wearing jeans. I was wearing jeans. Mm-hmm. I wasn't working. The boss, yeah. this guy, I don't want to name his name, even though I do want to, but it's old school. You probably wouldn't even remember this, but. Do I know him? No. No, oh, okay. no, no, no. This is back in the nightclub days. No, but so, I mean, even in the nightclub days, these were some people that I knew. Yeah. I would doubt. Uh, some be of your real, coworkers. I'd, I'd be really surprised if you knew him. Anyway, I did not like him because he'd, he'd do a bunch of dumb stuff that caused you not to like him. None, nonetheless. I go upstairs, I'm cruising, and he comes and he's like, he's like, hey, no jeans allowed up here, sorry. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, I, I, was not, I was never really a, a dick, really. But so I was like, oh, I try to like talk him into it. And he's like, no, the rules are the rules, sorry, you know. So I'm like, all right. So we all go downstairs. In front of my friends, too, by the way. So we go downstairs, whatever. This is, and then maybe two weeks later, I'm working. My boss, this guy, he's not working. He's just hanging out. He comes upstairs. He has his jeans on. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same exact scenario, except it's flipped. Yeah, he's the boss. And he's the boss. Exactly right. As a joke, because I know. What am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. Tell this guy he can't come. He came up the back stairs. It's like, you know, he's he's really, um, you know. So you said to him as a joke. As a joke. I was like, hey, no jeans upstairs. Kind of like, remember, you just told me this kind of thing, but just as a joke. And he goes, and you know what this motherfucker says to me? He goes, <laughs> he goes, I have a few more letters in my title than you do. And walks away. Damn. So I'm like, okay. The thing is, he was right for sure. But oh, as a as a leader, you think I want to follow that guy now? You th- what does that even mean? A few more letters uh, in my it's, title. It's an expression meaning like I'm I outrank. Oh no, you, I know obviously. exactly what it means. But yeah. you're the manager of a nightclub, bro. <laughs> <I> know, bro. <laughs> he wasn't like this guy was a full bird colonel yeah, or something no. talking to a freaking private slick sleeve. No, no he was not. And. Um, <laughs> So you can see you you can imagine By the, way, the even impression. If you're a colonel and you're talking to a private slick sleeve, this is a horrible thing to say. Yeah, because like, in exactly and the point is, I mean, whatever this nightclub, who cares? But the concept is is I think according to your when you kind of when you relate it to this answer, yeah. bro, it's a huge huge deal. Bro, I would never want to work for that guy. In fact, I'm so glad. That's one of the reasons why I'm glad I'm working the nightclub because <laughs> of that working for guys and guys like him. You know, so you don't want to be that guy. Yep. Check this out. Number 11, I'm going to repeat, build relationships. That is your main goal as a leader. Mm. How crazy is that? That's your main goal as leaders, to build relationships. So if you keep that kind of front of mind, then you'll be doing all these other things, right? Then you'll work hard. Then you'll have integrity. Then you'll be humble. Then you'll... You'll listen to what other people have to say. If if you're trying to build relationships, that's what you'll do. Mm-hmm. If if I cut you off while you're talking, obviously I'm not trying to build a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. So relationships are paramount. You're gonna have a good time doing this, man. But watch out for the little voice in your head that wants to run shit. Because mm-hmm. that guy's gonna get you in trouble. Yeah. That guy's not trying to build a relationship. He's trying to run shit. Yeah. That's what he's trying to do. Yeah. So be careful. Next question. I've been on a giant weight journey. I started jujitsu after losing 150 pounds. Congratulations on that. And since the pandemic, I've gained it all back. (laughs) And I've lost my motivation to go. Each time I think about going back to jujitsu, I fear being too heavy to flip in a drill or too heavy so people don't want to roll with me. How do I overcome this mental barrier? Should I just focus on losing the weight again before I come back? So I don't ruin someone else's training day. Thank you very much. You both inspire you know, our inspirations to me. You can probably guess what we're both gonna say in this scenario. Go train, go start training, man. First of all, that's awesome. You had the discipline to lose 150 pounds. That's freaking outstanding. Mm. And 
it's unfortunate to hear that you gained it back, you know? Probably, my guess is, you went, you know, extreme. You went extreme in one direction, you went extreme in the other direction, and next time, when you get to where you wanna be, don't go extreme. (laughs) Don't say, cool, I did it. Now I don't have to exercise, now I can eat whatever I want. So, you've done it once, man, that's awesome. And you can certainly do it again. Look, jujitsu, it's actually you going and rolling with people when you're heavy is going to help them. This is sort of uh, when we think in our own heads that we're the center of attention. We think other people are like, oh, I don't want to roll with that guy. No one's actually thinking about that at all. You know, they're thinking, hey, who's, oh, that guy looks big, good training, right? Sure, might there be some hundred and 35 pound guy that says dude I can't roll with you you're too big yeah sure that's okay that's fine that's fine there's some people that say that to me dude uh, you're too too psycho for me you know like okay cool (laughs) (laughs) sucks yeah but so there might be occasionally people that say that but most people especially in jiu-jitsu are like oh cool someone that's got a lot of weight put some weight on me let me see how my escape from across the side is let me see how my uh, escape from side control is cool all good um. Yeah, man. A lot of that. I would say it's almost like a level of embarrassment. It's just in your head, man. Yeah. You know the, the the fact that you you don't want to ruin someone else's training. You're not going to ruin anyone else's training day, man. In fact, I'd be stoked to roll with you because you're big. And if if you were small, I'd be stoked to roll with you too. I'd be pretty much stoked to roll with anybody. But mm-hmm. I'm saying it's a different challenge. It's a different challenge uh, to roll with people that are different sizes and weights. So you're adding to the class by being in there as a big dude. And then it'll also obviously help you get back in shape, help you drop some of that extra weight, mm-hmm. get back on the path, man, hang out with some cool people. That's the jujitsu, bro. Yep. Go get it. Yep, it's true. Oh, I agree. Every once in a while though, in, in this guy's kind of, I don't want to overstate it, but this guy's fear. Every once in a while you can, you'll get someone who, who will be like, oh, I don't want to roll with a big guy, right? Like, yeah, just like totally. how you said. Yeah. But if you hear that, if you hear one person say that, it can kind of pollute your mind where mm. you think like, oh, man, that's probably a real thing that most people feel, mm. you know, and just this guy happened to be the guy who said something. But I, th- I think you're right. Depends on the crowd. But I think you're right. I think most people are like, oh, yeah, especially after they roll with a big, big guy. Like someone who's way heavier than them or mm-hmm. something like that, um, especially if he's talking about 150 pounds. That's you know he's yeah. heavier than most people. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in the class because you you figure he weighs at least 150 pounds. So if he's yeah. 150 pounds, so he's at yeah. least three he's three bills. Probably three bills. Yeah, maybe 3.5. Maybe even maybe he's pushing four bills. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man. I rolled with I've rolled with guys that are like 360. Yeah, bro, it's it's work, man, yeah. and it really tests your jujitsu out. And anytime I get the opportunity to roll with somebody that's 360 pounds, I'm taking it. Yeah. I'm taking it. Yeah, and and the thing is, it is real. Like, consider someone who maybe has some anxiety about doing jujitsu, like even in practice or whatever, which is a real thing. That's a real thing. And it's like, okay, now you're matched up with a 350-pound guy, and you're just like 150, 160, and you're new or whatever, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I got to spend five minutes underneath this guy, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's smashing you. It can be kind of... Like the, what this guy's worried about ruining someone's training. It's it, but it's an individual experience. Most people, you roll with a three hundred fifty pound guy, you're like, oh, that was crazy. Like especially yeah. afterwards, you're like, oh, I got to roll with a three hundred fifty pound yeah, guy. It's yeah. a good experience, yeah. you know. Um, so I would say just keep that in mind, especially yeah. if they're a smaller guy. Don't smash this poor guy, you know. Just about to say that too. Look, just like if I roll with a hundred and thirty pound person, that's not very good. Guy, girl, whatever. I'm not gonna like smash them. Yeah. You know, I mean I roll with my kids, you yeah. know, my daughters, I roll with them. I'm not freaking putting, you know, <laughs> two and a quarter on their face, you know. I mean I'm not smashing them. No. You no, know? So not. be cool. But yeah, people will be stoked right off. Here's the thing about losing weight real quick, and this is something to put into perspective about diet, right? Like what you eat. Like I think sometimes it's more common common knowledge now, but sometimes people don't understand how diet is the biggest factor mm-hmm. of losing weight or gain and gaining weight. So consider a hard workout, even a jujitsu thing, like depends on how big you are, obviously, but let's say you burn 500 calories in, in a workout. That's a lot. That's a lot of workout. Yeah. Yeah. Think about eating 500 calories. That's like half a burrito. Really? Oh yeah. 
Damn. And so it take it's easy, super easy to eat 500 calories. Yeah. Very. In fact, you probably won't even be full most of the time. Yeah. Um, you eat a thousand calories. That's like probably like a full meal as, well, as the, like a full grown adult. The cool thing is this dude obviously knows how to lose weight. Yeah. He figured that out for mm-hmm. sure because yeah. he wasn't losing weight eating a bunch of burritos. He was yeah. losing weight, being strict with his diet, working out, and he got yeah. it done. Yeah. You know? And he's gonna get it done again. Yeah. So you consider the three elements of of goal uh, of phys- physical fitness goals achievement Mm -hmm. it's going to be the exercise program the rest and the nutrition those three factors and it depends on what your goals are it's going to be different but when you're just implementing all three at the same time especially if you're like you're not a fitness like expert or something like this you don't really know you don't really understand you're like sure i'll follow this diet sure i'll follow this exercise program what do you want me to to get good sleep okay i'll do that too and you just kind of roll with all three elements right but you don't understand one of those elements could be is the front running element Mm -hmm. Where you got to pay attention to that when kind of stuff. When it comes to weight loss. Weight loss, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And they work kind of differently in different ways, but yes. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. Check. So keep that in mind, too. Watch what you eat. You know, because, yeah. like, you know how you get a hard workout sesh and you're yeah. like, yeah, I kind of earned it or whatever? <laughs> Bro, you probably burnt like 75 more calories than you really. Yeah. Yeah. 75, that's like it might not even, It might even be like like 20 more calories. We yeah. had a We have a guy at the gym that lost, like, he got pretty chunky. You know, like borderline, borderline, like, okay, you're getting fat, you know? Hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't see him for a bit, and he came back, and he was lean, right? Hmm. And uh, I was like, dude, freaking drop that weight, huh? He goes, yeah. And I said, what'd you do? He goes, I quit eat, eating like an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's a good call, man. Yep. All right, last question. One, one more. I'm approaching my eight-year obligation as an Army aviator, and I've hit that point where I need to make a decision. Do I stay or do I get out? I go back every every day weighing the costs and benefits to either either decision I make. I seek mentorship, but it only ends in the answer, just do what you want to do. And with, with a wife and two young boys, that answer is usually easier said than done. I love my military. I love the military and wouldn't replace any of my experiences or the people I've met while serving, but under but understanding the cost that it, that it come at mentally, physically and the toll it takes on loved ones. Bottom line up front, I truly value your opinion on matters and if you could afford the time to shed some perspective based on your experiences, I would truly appreciate it. Again, thanks for all you do and God bless. So one thing that kind of comes to mind when I hear this is if you're asking this question, then you kind of know the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're if you're thinking about, it, look, everyone thinks about getting out, right? You think about getting out. I'm, I'm not saying that because if you think you think about getting out, if if you said, hey, everyone that thinks about getting out it wants to get out, it's not true. Mm-hmm. But if you're truly considering getting out. Then this is a serious. Then that that leans me to believe leads me to believe that you are leaning towards getting out. Because otherwise, like I never thought about getting out. I never even thought about it until I was deep into my career. Mm. I mean, I didn't think about getting out at the six year, eight year, twelve year, fourteen. I never thought about. It. I, I was like, I, it wasn't even it wasn't even part of my brain. Mm. I wasn't never even thought about it. It wasn't until I was at like my 17, 18 year mark where I was like, hmm. And I got back from my freaking seventh deployment and my kid, my son, you know when I went on my first deployment to Iraq, my son couldn't even crawl. Mm. And when I got back, he was walking around. Mm. And then what really sucked was when I got home from my second deployment, when I got home from Ramadi, he he, he could swim. (laughs) So here's a young, Frog, you know, a young frogman mm-hmm. who has been taught to swim not by his father, frogman, but by a random freaking, you know, swim coach mm-hmm. at the freaking Navy base. You know, yeah. that sucked. Didn't like that. And and those are things that I remember because they were very specific with my son. Mm-hmm. My daughters were the same thing. It wasn't those like I I was there for the other for for my daughters when they went through those. To me, those are some really big transition points, right? Mm. Learning to crawl, learning to walk, learning to swim. What's bigger than that when you're a kid? Maybe learning to talk. Yeah, first words. Yeah, um, first words. As, I was as little kids, yeah. and I was around for everyone's first words. But I was around for my daughters. I was around for crawl. I was around for walk. 
Riding a bike, that's another one. Uh, for me, I don't know. Kids were riding bikes like day two. So I don't really <laughs> remember much about riding the bike. That was a, mm. an easy one. But like, oh yeah, I'm like surfing, like first time up on a wave. Mm. You know, they were doing jujitsu the whole time. So that wasn't really a thing. It wasn't like, oh, first day in jujitsu. No, they were like, mm. first day jujitsu was like day three, right? <laughs> but so those were some big events. And I missed them all. And I was kind of like, damn. And what you know? What else am I missing? Because now we start getting into the older kids. You know, they're they're ten, they're eleven. There's real stuff going on there too, right? Yeah. You know, uh, performances at high school or in a, you know, the recital, the yeah. the ballet recital, the gymnastics thing, the jujitsu. Just all these things are happening. So, but they're just becoming human beings. Yeah, yeah. They're just right under up. your nose there. Right, right. right, right. There. So, so that sucks, man. Um, and so for me, at like the 18 year mark, I started thinking, man, uh, I've really paid almost no attention to my family. And I need to, and, and that's when I started thinking about maybe it's time to get out. So if you're starting to seriously consider that, to me, that leads me to believe that you are leaning towards getting out. So if you're leaning towards it, what's holding you back? Well, being in the, being in the army, as an aviator, most stable job ever, right? <laughs> the most stable job ever. Great benefits. You're, if you retire from the military, your, your kids are gonna get healthcare and your wife's gonna get healthcare until they, your kids are gonna get healthcare until they turn 20 and your wife is going to get healthcare until she dies, right? Not until you die, until she, you die, she's still getting it. So that's awesome. So there's some incredible benefits. Uh, and not to mention, you got your friends, you got a cool job. I mean, you're freaking army aviator out there flying around in Apache shooting or whatever you're doing, right? You're doing something cool. So those are all really cool benefits. Then, like you said, deployments, hardships, mental stress, physical stress. Now, depending on what you do in the civilian sector, there's freaking massive mental stress in the civilian sector. There's massive mental stress when you don't have a job anymore because you got laid off. Mm -hmm. There's massive mental stress when you don't have health care for your kids because your new job doesn't offer it and it costs $2,400 a month for health care. These are real things, man. Yes, and all of a sudden you think, well... <laughs> So depending on how entrepreneurial you are, depending on how, you know, what your, what your, the job market is like, I mean, bro, we're rolling into a recession right now. There might not be any jobs in six months for you as a, let's see, eight-year obligation, army aviator. I'm guessing you're an officer, so you're probably 30 years old right now. There might not be any good jobs out there for a 30-year-old in a, in a, in a entry-level position. Maybe you get a pilot job somewhere, cool but maybe not. Um, so weigh those things out and talk to your wife about them. You know, talk to your wife, like, hey, here's the, I know it sucks I have to go on deployment sometimes, but guess what? You never have to worry about healthcare again for the rest of your life and neither do any of our kids. And I'll, I'm always gonna have a job. Now I can tell you this, and I've told this to some people, I was having a conversation with someone the other day that's in another branch of government. And I said, listen, if you leave that branch of government right now, you will you will make more money. Mm. It's not a guarantee for this individual that I actually know. I know that he would make more money if he left. Mm. He's got a lot of skills, a lot of varying skill sets, and I know he would make money if he left more than he makes right now. It's difficult to make that promise. There are a lot of people, there's, look, I mean, the world is filled with veterans that are successful and there's world is filled with veterans that are not successful. I don't know where you fall out, bro. I don't know where you're going to fall out. I don't I don't know. You might be a total go-getter. You might have great ideas. You might be super humble and go get a job at some financial company and you move right up the chain of command cuz you take orders well and you listen well and you have good ideas and you start to grow and you build a team. And that could happen. That could happen. You could also be an arrogant guy and get out and feel like you don't need, you shouldn't have to take orders because you were in the army for eight years and you kind of know what you're talking about. The next thing you know, you get fired from that job and now you don't have a job anymore. So, so, so you, you, when these guys are saying just do what you want to do, they're actually just trying to help you pry into your own brain. Now, here's an idea. How about you go in the reserves? Or do you, you know, you stay in the reserves. 
This is a good compromise. You still have a connection. You're not walking away, but you don't commit as much time to the army. And by the way, that means if something goes on, you can kind of like go do some more drill and you can still make a little bit of money and you're still getting some, I don't know what the healthcare situation was when you're in the reserves, but you're, 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 you're doing okay. You're kind of not jumping out completely. And then after two years, you go, you know what, man, civilian life sucks. I like, I want to go back to flying a freaking helicopter or whatever. And I want to be back with the cool people that I liked. I want to back with a cool mission. I'm going, hey, I'm going to active duty again. And again, this is kind of what it looks like from my perspective because I knew a lot of guys that were in the SEAL teams that did that. They'd get out, they'd stay in the reserve SEALs and then they'd come back in. I don't know if it's that easy to do that in the army, but check into it because this could be an option. And by the way, you might get in the civilian sector and be like, oh yeah, civilian sector is awesome. I got a great job. I'm doing awesome. We got healthcare. We got all these cool things going on. I'm going to get out of the reserves. Cool. You can make that decision over time. So all these things are true. Uh, On the last underground, we talked about uh, Thomas Sowell, who said that there's no solutions, there's only trade-offs. And this is the exact situation where there's no clean, oh, boom, there it is. The beautiful, flawless solution. It's not going to exist. There's only going to be a trade-off. And here you got to think about what you want to trade away and what you want to keep. And I've had guys say to me, I've had guys say to me, uh, man, I wish I never would have got, you know, I did eight years, I would be retired right now if I would have just stayed in. (laughs) I've had a lot of people say that to me. For every 10 people that have said that to me, three people have said, I I wish I would have gotten out earlier because I I was scared. There's, I, I don't know the amount of people that have said that to me. I shouldn't have even put a number on it. But I've had a few people have said to me, I wish I would have gotten out. But I was I was scared to get out. Mm-hmm. And they stayed in. And once they got out, they're like, man, I could have really made some shit happen if I got out. But I didn't. So there's a risk. That's why I think the reserves might be a good option. There's no perfect solution. And most important, thanks for your service. Appreciate it. All right. Probably not the decisive answer he's hoping for. No. Can't give you one. Yeah. Can't give you one. Because because like Thomas Sowell said, there's only going to be trade-offs here. Yeah. One of the trades is, hey, you, you know, uh, also think about, we've talked about this before, what's the minimum requirement of comfort for you, for your wife and kids? Yeah. You know, for me, for my wife, the minimum requirement was I said, hey, there's a chance we're going to end up, you know, living in a van down by the river, cruising up and down the coast of California. I'll be surfing and we'll be, you know, hitting workouts on the with kettlebells out of the back of the van. Are you cool? She's like, that sounds good to me. I'm like, all right, cool. Then we'll take we'll take some risks. And I did. So figure out what the minimum requirements are her minimum for for your wife, for your family are. That's another thing to put into the trades no perfect solutions try and take the small step which to me stay in the reserves awesome all right well that's it for today thanks for joining us on the underground thanks for supporting the cause and uh we'll be out there we'll be on the interwebs doing what we do appreciate the support if it wasn't for you all we wouldn't be sitting here right now maintaining this little bastion of freedom that we all know as the underground. Appreciate it. Till next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.